The leader of Hamas is all over the news these days, but a lot of flags fly when I read about his story. Let's get into it. This is Monica Perez, and this is a, I'm going to call it a mini deep dive. We'll see what I come up with. But on Monday, I did a news roundup and I said, hey, I'm going to talk about this guy, Yaya Sinwar. He, there was a huge expose on him in the Wall Street Journal. And as I read it, it was just like red flag, red flag, red flag. This guy's story is fishy. And I told you I'd talk about it today on Thursday. I don't have time to do a whole news roundup, but I have a lot on this guy. So it might take up the whole time. But since then, so right before I came to go to air, I was like, let me see if there's something in the news about this guy today. There's like many, many headlines. Not only have they been just over the past couple of days rolling out this story about this guy highlighting him personally, but this morning, Israel dropped leaflets, the IDF dropped leaflets on Gaza, offering a $400,000 reward for this guy because he continues to elude them. And of course, by him eluding them, it gives them uh, all the excuse they need. They said, we're in Gaza. We are rooting out Hamas and we are just going to level the place like even below ground. So another big article was that they're flooding these tunnels with seawater, which may corrupt the freshwater supply for Gaza. So they're doing a lot of stuff. They're uh, pinning it all on retaliation for October 7th and not even punitive. They're not even calling it retaliation. They're saying Hamas is such a major threat here that we we just cannot stop leveling Gaza until this is rooted out and this guy is caught. Now, I think it is, I mean, not. I'm not going to call it common knowledge, but I believe that it is in evidence. I was just saw a little very accessible, a little too accessible video on The Intercept about the Israeli roots of Hamas. Hamas supposedly, I think Ron Paul had said it, they have these all these clips of people who have said it and admitted it in Israel and outside, that they wanted a counterpoise to the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, and also to quote communists. So that's kind of, I guess it's always a, a catch-all. But they, so their argument was the PLO was too strong and they wanted this to counterweight it. I would say the Palestinian Liberation Organization is one thing, and this is Hamas, which is called like, what is the, shoot, um, yeah, it's an uh, acronym for the Islamic Resistance Movement. So they make it religious, first of all, and they make it sort of pan-Islamic. And of course, when you get to where, you know, bring religion into it, that can make a good narrative to talk about somebody being irrational when I hear psychological or personality traits come up to try to explain stuff that seems pretty irrational, I that's a flag to me. I don't think people raise, rise up to power and maintain power unless they're backed by somebody behind the scenes who has uh, rational reasons to use controlled opposition, but I don't think that they rise up to power if they're like crazy and work against the interests of their side. And that they're not saying this guy is crazy. I guess that's like too old a story. But they are talking about like this guy's psychological approach to this. And, you know, it seems it was a risky strategy, but he, you know, he took a chance. But this guy, I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. And there's a lot of stuff. So I'm going to go through it one by one. And actually, maybe I'll start with this little wiki thing I noticed. This is clearly 
there's a massive dialectic going on because Israel's hit Gaza before. There, this Israeli issue of um, their occupation of Gaza West Bank and uh, all that has been like a hot issue for people who learn about this stuff for a long time, but it never really got the kind of press that it's getting now. And of course, it feeds on itself. I mean, the protests are getting a lot of airtime. University presidents are losing their jobs over this. And there's also that the polarization, the basket. So if you're pro, and I see people putting it in quotes, Palestinian, you know, you're woke. And if you're, you know, conservative, you need to approve of this specific action by Netanyahu. And I'm going to just say it's like Netanyahu. I don't, I think that they're, I actually, I, I might, you know, I'm not going to get into this because I haven't researched it too much, but I just remember before October 7th when this event happened, the protests were against Netanyahu's vast overstep on re trying to restructure the court system in Israel. There were bigger protests in Israel than ever before by Israelis. And this, of course, is like a classic take the eye away from domestic issues. So there could be a lot of things going on. I'm not focusing on any of that stuff. I didn't dig into any of it, but I did look into this guy's background. But what I wanted to say before that is I think maybe find the translation of Hamas, what it stood for. So I looked up the wiki entry today, Wikipedia entry, and I was kind of surprised to see that it um, the, the language that the Wikipedia entry used. So let me read this just the first, it's like one long sentence or maybe two sentences. Hamas is an acronym of its official name, the Islamic Resistance Movement. It is a Palestinian, listen to these buzzy words, it is a Palestinian anti-imperialist, anti-colonialist. I do not think that these are <laughs> Israel's colonizing Gaza in the strict sense of the word. I mean, I think occupation is probably more accurate, but, if, you know, that's my opinion, and that is also super politically charged. Um, I'm happy to be educated. Uh, and Sunni Islamist political and military organization governing the Gaza Strip of the Palestinian territories, which are illegally occupied by Israel under international law. Headquartered in Gaza City, it has a presence in the West Bank, the larger of the two Palestinian territories, in which its secular rival, Fatah, exercises control. So anti-imperialist, anti-colonialist, Palestinian territories, which is in itself like controversial, illegally occupied by Israel. So that's what the Wikipedia entry says today. So I look back, I was like, what did it say before October 7th? I just want to see what I said before October 7th because I totally feel like this has been uh, a media dialectic. This is from Wikipedia January of 2023, January 5th. Hamas is an acronym of Islamic resistance movement. It is a Palestinian Sunni Islamic fundamentalist, militant, and nationalist organization. It has a social service wing, Dawah, and a military wing, the Is ad-Din al-Qassam Brigades. It won the 2006 Palestinian legislative election and became the de facto governing authority of the Gaza Strip following the 2007 Battle of Gaza. It also holds a majority in the parliament of the Palestinian National Authority. Canada, the European Union, Israel, Japan, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States has designated Hamas as a terrorist organization. 
So that's what it was saying, and this is what it is saying. And if you're going to tell me that Wikipedia, I can go in and change that right now if I'm an editor, try changing Obama's Wikipedia entry. Does not happen. So there was a, you know, a change in tone here, and Wikipedia is not, you know, fair and objective. That's completely political. So that just, I think, supports that there's a dialectic here that is pushing the Palestinian cause up and putting it squarely on the left. Um, anyway, but this guy, I feel like, is an inside job. So let's get into why I think that. And this is primarily just flags that flew up from the Wall Street Journal article. I, I'm going to put in the show notes at monicasdeepdives.com all of the articles here. And one in this intercept thing, which, again, the intercept thing, I don't trust them, but they did have, like, documented what they were saying. And then they say, well, Hamas was created by Israel, but then it went rogue. It went out of control. And I just absolutely do not believe that. They had a, a relationship with its founder who they later assassinated but or bombed or whatever. Presumably that's a true story, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay, the first red flag in this article about Yahya Sinwar when Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar was imprisoned in Israel more than a decade ago, he explained to an Israeli official a theory now central to the war in Gaza. His theory was that Israeli soldiers hold an exalted place in Israeli society. Now, remember, everybody gets drafted. So everyone, I guess, is exalted, except for the Orthodox, who I think also hold an exalted place <laughs> <laughs> so can every single person in a society be exalted? I don't know. But he said, so it's so they're so exalted that if we kidnap soldiers, they will, or as it's called sometimes civilians in the military, uh, it it will get them to to give us some of the Palestinian prisoners they're holding who have bombed and killed Israelis. That's what he's after. He won't rest until he gets all those people back. And his strategy is to kidnap soldiers. Now, Israel's only, I found in the Wikipedia entry for negotiating with hostages country by country, Israel only has two examples because their general rule is not to negotiate with terrorists or negotiate for hostages or whatever. There's a third example that I might get to through this, but I'm not, it wasn't in the wiki thing. But uh, let me just quickly see where that is. It says, I think 1985. Uh, can't remember. Anyway, so there were two, there were a few cases when they were uh, re negotiating to release hostages. I forgot the other one. But one of them was this guy himself. Sinwar was released with a thousand other Palestinians when his brother, among other people, kidnapped one Israeli soldier, Shlot, I think his name was. And they, it was went on for years, the negotiation, but finally all these guys got out. Sinwar, having been a convicted murderer of both Israelis and Palestinians, was kind of on the cusp of people they were going to let out. So he was like the most bad guy, but they did let him out. But while he was in prison, he studied under... So first of all, he was in an Israeli prison for a long time, which already, to me, is a flag. When somebody becomes radicalized or uh, controls a deadly organization from inside the prison of the target of that organization, 
that's what throughout this is going to pop up what I call the incompetence canard. Well, they're just incompetent. The governments are incompetent. The prison was incompetent. Israel, you know, everybody's incompetent. This guy's incompetent. I don't believe that. That's not, it's too irrational for people to remain in power when they're just purely incompetent all the time. And I go, that goes for our own government as well. So he was in the prison and that's where he became radicalized. It's where he learned English and Hebrew, like secretly from other prisoners, kind of uh, Frederick Douglass style. And he also became close to this guy, Sheikh Yassin, who was, I think he's considered, oh, he was released in a 1985 swap involving more than a thousand prisoners for three Israeli soldiers. Okay, that was not in the wiki entry. This is something that was in, I think, the Wall Street Journal entry. So there was that one. There was Sinwar being released, and there was the third one. And so this guy, Yassin, again, like released under very suspicious circumstances. So two out of three of the hostage negotiations released these guys who had created deadly organizations in Israeli prisons that went back to Gaza and took over. So when somebody's been recently arrested, I know this because I've known a few drug dealers in, in my town is like on the outskirts of New York City. Anybody who's been recently arrested, you can't talk to that guy. He did not get out of jail because he's trustworthy, right? I guess if you serve your time like reservoir dogs and you never say that you serve hard time to the last minute, that's one thing. But when you're getting out early, you say we had a life sentence. Why? Right. This is their story, and they used it a couple of times. And people were suspicious of him, from what I can tell. So, so the reason he was in jail, though, so he was in jail numerous times. But one of the one of the reasons he was in jail was that he was killing Palestinians, including leaders of Hamas, saying that they were working for Israel. But not just that, other excuses as well. One was supposedly leaking secrets about Iran to other Arab countries. One was assassinated for moral depravity or something like that. But these are people who he took it on himself to kill without any trial, and in some cases, against the wishes of other people in Hamas. So I think Zelensky has some of this too, like where... You go in and you kill your political enemies and you say, well, I think Stalin did that too. Like you kill your political enemies and you say, well, they were working for the enemy. Like, of course, and without trials or anything, who's going to object, especially when they know that you kill people who object. So I think he called it like the time of strangulation or something. So the Israeli who was interrogating him, supposedly interrogated him for 100 hours, this guy Kubi, and he said that none of the people he killed were working with Israel. That of the people I think he admitted to killing 12 Palestinians, none of them were working for Israel, according to Israel. Now, they would say that anyway, right? But, you know. And the idea that they couldn't control the prison population, there, it says there are four factions of Hamas and or four Palestinian power bases. So when you're in Israeli prison, they try to separate the people from the four things. But that only work, you know, that only works if you have as many quadrants as 25% of all the Palestinian or as many sections as 25% of all the Palestinian prisoners. Otherwise, some of them are going to get together. And why not work across borders? So eventually this guy got so much power. He was head of prison Hamas that they put him in solitary confinement, but definitely too little, too late. So the, his prison time is always a red flag to me. 
the fact that he learned Hebrew and English, the two languages he really needed to learn while there, that's a little fishy. So he was released in 2011. That was his final release. Okay. And then he says that his sole purpose in life is to get all the other prisoners out. And that's not what the Palestinians wanted when they elected him. So in this Wall Street Journal article, it has a lot of stuff like it's a personal thing with him. He's doing this out of, you know, whatever, vengeance or retribution. This is this is that, I've talked about it before, they attribute this psychological um, depth or psychological foible to, like, Trump's an egomaniac, and that's why he does everything. And it's like, okay, that may be true. He might be an egomaniac, but that doesn't mean he's irrational. I mean, egomaniacs, it's called, uh, what's it called? Penerology or something? What is it when it's the it's the sociopaths who rise to the top of political power because they know how to do it, not because they're irrational. People don't support you. And when he was elected, he only got elected. I'll actually read the quote from the Wall Street Journal. Sinwar was voted as leader of Hamas in Gaza by its members. Other Hamas leaders assured members that his election as Gaza chief wouldn't drag the group into new rounds of internal and external violence. According to Hamas officials, he said he wanted to reconcile the West Bank and Gaza Hamas and break the neck of anyone who stood in his way. And those talks failed to progress and Palestinian attempts to create their own state were complicated by internal divisions. So he has created not only this massive blowback, but he complicated the, any kind of negotiations along the way, whereas the PLO, I think, was making progress with the Oslo Accords. I'm a little rusty on that, though. Oh, and the election process was changed to something considered a little sketchy by, you know, it was a controversial change right before he was elected. So this guy, his angle supposedly is understanding, like this was the article in the Wall Street Journal, like his understanding the Israeli psyche, that's his, that's his superpower. So his idea was that he would get in there and he'd, tra- he'd get some hostages and trade them for the Palestinian prisoners and that it would spark a big war that like Hezbollah and Lebanon and Iran and everybody would just pile on Israel. This is what he thought what the hang gliders was going to do, which, hey, the way things are going, like I didn't expect it to to spark this kind of like pro-Palestinian protests like that was a paradigm shift for sure. And I think that the end game here is to create a highly controlled separate state for the Palestinians or that basically killed all the Palestinians who had stayed behind or anybody of any power, like Afghanistan was like that. Like the the kind of UN ambassador was like 20-something years old at a certain point because there's just nobody left who knows anything. Then you put a puppet in there. And another article I read yesterday was about how the United Arab Emirates is already talking about rebuilding, but they're not going to rebuild unless the right kind of rulers are in Palestine. So it's they've destroyed it, and they're going to rebuild it. And it just, it's so... Like, I, I never know if I'm using this word correctly, like banal. Like it's just so, um, and venal is another one. It's just like, it's about money in the end. Like, ugh. But it seems to be. Anyway, so the Wall Street Journal says, Hamas has to first, before his vision can be realized, survive Israel's powerful and deadly counterattack. 
If Hamas miscalculated, Sinwar could be overseeing the destruction in Gaza of the U.S.-designated terrorist group and lose his own life in Gaza entirely. I mean, I think at least 18, 19,000 people are the official um, death count there now. The gamble has already come with huge costs, including devastation across huge swaths of Gaza and the deaths of around 18,000 Palestinians, but this was a few days ago. All right, he was called the butcher of Khan Yunus for killing Palestinians. And that's where he's from. One of them was the former spokesman for Hamas, Ayman Taha. He was uh, a liaison between Hamas and Egyptian intelligence. And Sinwar ordered his death, supposedly over concerns he was leaking information to other Arabs. Um, this is the one that's really messed up. In 2016, Sinwar was involved in a decision to execute a senior commander of the armed wing, Mahmoud Ishtawi, according to Israeli and Egyptian officials and a person close to the murdered commander. Before his death, Ishtawi told his family that Mohammed Daif, the head of the armed wing, had visited him and ordered other Hamas officials to release him, but he was killed anyway. And then they later, Hamas released a statement saying he was executed for behavior and moral crimes. But that's super suspicious, like Soleimani. Soleimani was an Iranian guy, and I guess we killed him, if I recall correctly. And there were just millions of people protested because they really liked him. They respected him and trusted him. And Iran was like, we're going to get America back. And then by some incredible act of total incompetence, they accidentally blew up a plane on their own runway full of, like, Ukrainians. And they were like, oh, I guess we're even now. And I just feel like that was it for me. I was like, oh, Iran is controlled opposition and Soleimani was probably legit. And I think that's the kind of thing that was happening here. Oh, um, one thing about the backstory of Hamas is that it was an outgrowth of the Muslim Brotherhood, which I believe is widely known as MI6 or uh, created by British intelligence. Anyway, yeah, the interrogator, Kubi, I mentioned earlier. Here's a quote from him, releasing... Sinwar was the worst mistake in Israel in Israel's history. Like this whole thing is just this comedy or a tragedy of errors. Uh, I never believe the story that something goes rogue. Okay, sorry. Here is the quote I was looking for. While the initial lightning attack on October 7th proved a success for Hamas, Sinwar made two mistakes. More mistakes. Two mistakes, according to Amos Gilead, a former Israeli senior defense official. Sinwar thought that the attack would start a regional war involving Iran and Hezbollah and that Israel wouldn't invade Gaza to kill the Hamas leadership. He thought Israel would not invade. This guy is the Israeli psyche king. Like, he's the guy. It, and it's not about Israel, really. Like, it's Netanyahu. I've, I think this is all about Netanyahu. If you were looking at internal Israeli politics, he, like, lost three times. Like, I don't understand why he's still in power. They must not like that. And then he was going to get the Supreme Court to heal. Anyway, incredibly stupid. Um, Gilead says now this guy's strategy is to gain time, but we don't have any choice but to destroy him and basically everything else. So they just drop leaflets with this bounty. They're flooding tunnels with seawater. Like, this continues to press on. But I just thought it was weird. I don't think I have much left here, but I just thought it was weird. I was just on Monday. I read this article. It was so weird. It was setting this guy up as being, like, a personality. And then every day since then, it's been article after article that says, like, Sinwar, you know, psychological warfare kind of stuff. But I would say it's very predictable that if you pop off at Israel— 
uh, you're going to get insane blowback, which they did, which is why it's not believable that they did what they did with this kind of rationale. It's just not believable. So they're spending a lot of time doing two things. They like have a lot of multitasking. They want to try to develop this guy's personality so you could imagine somebody making this mistake, right? So you develop that and this is the guy and blah, blah, blah. But it also, you know, gives them this villain that you get to focus on and that they're hunting and they can't stop hunting because he's so dangerous. So it just seemed like a, a, quite the narrative to me. Oh, here was the last thing. That one thing that he did, it says, Sinwar worked extensively and politically organizing, upscaling his activism into organized armed action. And he's the one who's responsible for merging the military and political arms of these. Uh, and that's, that's like COINTEL Pro, right? To militarize, isn't that when they took the Black, Panther, Black Panthers and an operative came in and brought all the guns in? I think it was, was it like, I feel like it was like a Cambodian guy. It wasn't, it wasn't even an American guy, I don't think. It says, I mean, the whole entire thing is um, Sinwar co-founded the Al-Majd organization, an armed group which would later coalesce into Hamas. It was dedicated to ridding Gaza of traitors. That's a bunch of that other propaganda. But if you want to lo learn the entire history of Hamas, then, you know, I'm sure you can find that. But I was just trying to figure out this guy being some kind of fishy character. So the chief general staff of the IDF said that electing Sinwar had ended Israel's distinction between the movement's political and military uh, wings and had made the Gaza Strip a top priority for the Israeli army in 2017. So as you see this guy, Yaya Sinwar, I would just say, you know, I would be skeptical of the narrative that suggests that it's this guy's psyche and his psyche alone and his miscalculation of Israeli psyches that has led to this destruction. I think it's more of a qui bono. Is that the right pronounce it? Anyway, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming. And I will be back. My next live stream is... It looks like I may do a news roundup on December 18th, which would be Monday, or I and or I might do a show with Joni McGarry on Barbie. I watched the Barbie movie last night. I hate to be upbeat when we're talking about something so serious. This is a horrible topic. I hate it. I don't ever want to talk about it. But when I saw that article, I just, you know, the true star going off. Thank you so much for listening. This is Monica Perez. And for now, this is Deep Dives. Bye.